Welcome to the Warrior Goddess Revolution, a podcast dedicated to helping you get free, free of shame, free of fear, free of limitations, and free to become the woman you are meant to be. Let the inner revolution begin. Here's your host, Heather Ash Amara. We are live with Warrior Goddess Res- Resolution. No, Revolution. And we're we are resolute as well. Um, I am tired, but I'm excited to be here. So yay, Christy Peoples. Thank you so much for joining me on Warrior Goddess Revolution. And I cannot, we've been talking about this conversation for a long time. So mm. it's an ongoing conversation. So Absolutely. thanks so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited and looking forward to seeing where this goes. Me too. That's always the fun part. So I'm going to read your bio. Okay. Then it'll be official. I haven't been doing that, but I think this is a good way to do it. Christy Peoples is a Colorado-based writer, producer, women's trail running coach, and outdoorist. She's a meditation teacher who loves sitting at the intersection of running and wonder in nature. Her work in the field of equity and inclusion in nature combines speaking and facilitating transformational experiences. As a co-creator of the Black and Brown Women's Alliance, she extends her passion for connecting women of color to new empowering narratives of wellness. <gasps> this makes me so happy. Okay, <laughs> so I would love you to start with the, the coming together of your passion for running and nature, and working with women of color. Mm, Okay. Let's see how succinct I can be here. You don't have to be succinct. You can can branch out. (laughs) Okay. So when I moved here in 2012, I was coming from Chicago, and I had been pretty much at sea level for a long time before that, living in different places and bigger cities and stuff. And when I got to Colorado, while I had always been a sort of active person and enjoyed being out in nature, coming to Colorado was next level because we are at where where I live, I'm at a mile elevation toward this, you know, toward the sun. I'm a mile closer to the sun, which is what it's called the mile high city. And so there was a lot of adjustment that needed to happen in terms of just getting my breathing together, feeling normal again, and not feeling disoriented. And once I was, you know, realizing that I wasn't terminal, I mean, even though we all are actually terminal, (laughs) Right. But I realized it wasn't such a dire situation the way I was feeling so sluggish and stuff. I started to get on the trails. I started to run again and try to pick up a little bit of the activity that I had been engaged in prior to that. And one of the things that I noticed the more I went out was that there weren't that many people who looked like me on the trails. And so when I first arrived in Colorado, I was in Boulder. And so there's a very, very small population of people of color there. And so I started to look for people who look like me. It was very interesting because I never really had to do that before because I'd always lived in more 
integrated places where populations of of different cultures were like blended and you know we saw each other all the time and so it was just by default you knew there were other people around who looked like you and so as i started inviting other people to come out with me i started to also shore up some skills so that i knew how to go out safely when I was inviting people. So that led to me coaching, uh, trail running, and also becoming a guide to take people out on hikes and, and, you know, different outdoor experiences, some of which were like mindful oriented, which meant more along the lines of healing hikes and reconnection to the land. And so all of this kind of dovetailed into into this experience of wanting to empower others who were like me, because I said, you know, I can't be the only one out here who's wondering about this and who wants to connect a bit more deeply with each other, have a sense of community and belonging, and also a bit of reverence and honor for the land that we're on and the stories that are really, you know, buried in the earth. And so that's part of what kind of enlivens everything I do. You know, so when I'm giving talks about being out in the outdoors, so much of the time it brings in women and underrepresented communities because, you know, women are the heads of households, you know, whether or not it's a one or two parent household, if they, if there are children in the home, if there are people that they're taking care of, taking care of parents, taking care of children, extended family or whatever, it's often women who are doing the lion's share of the work and on the front lines of taking care of, of people. And also at the back of the line when it comes to taking care of themselves. And so between that and maybe not people who have prioritized other forms of well-being or for people who have internalized an idea that the mountains or the trails or the outdoors are not for them. This is what I mean by creating new narratives of wellness. What does it mean to take a moment for yourself and to be still and to connect with nature? How can that empower you in your daily life? And so how can that also help you dismantle uh, limiting beliefs or stories, you know, so just everything is in there. That's why I'm saying, you know, I I am sitting, standing, walking or running at this intersection of running or hiking or being in nature and wonder, just kind of returning to a sense of beginner's mind and right-sizing myself in the world. You know, sometimes we might think that (laughs) our issues are the only show in town, but, you know, when we take a moment to stand under uh, a hundred-year-old tree or to feel the breeze blowing over us, you know, it's in, and really feel the, the impact of, of what that is and what that means and how we're part of a vast ecosystem that is mysterious, then by the time we come back home, 
well, we can come home to ourselves in those moments, right? But by the time we go back to our place, you know, where we live, where we thought our problem was so big, it's not so big anymore because there is something about being in a sense of wonder, whether or not we're out in nature, that can really help us find new ways of being with our challenges, new ways of solving our, our, our ongoing questions and solving for these, these problems that we think are larger than life. So that's, that's the, um, the scenic route to the answer of your question. How did it all kind of come together? I love the scenic route <laughs> and that you're, like you said, there's an intersection of so many things that you are walking and, and one of those is women slash people of color in nature. And, and then also the getting still, getting quiet, whether you're running or walking. And I think that putting yourself out there, one of the things I've loved watching is following your Instagram is, is that you're letting yourself do what you love and be a symbol for other women and other people of color to to go oh wait I could do that Christy's doing it no I remember the first time I when I was I was in college and one of my roommates who I didn't really know very well but she's packing up one day and she's heading she's like packing up and getting in her car and I'm like where are you going she goes I'm going camping and my whole like everything exploded I'm like by yourself right <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes we just don't, we don't see ourselves in certain positions. We don't, it doesn't occur to us that we can do some of the things that other people are doing. You know, I was thinking about the guy who, who has Virgin Airlines what what his what i forget his name is his name escapes me but he does so many different things he's got a cell phone company he's got the you know soft soft drinks he's got all sorts of things and i and i think who tells that man that he can't do all the things that he does you know and and you and i are just talking about wait i can go camping by myself these are the self-imposed ideas that I'm talking about, you know, because we don't see ourselves necessarily reflected in the culture doing a lot of things, whether or not it's, you know, in service to our own well-being or if it's like being a, a corporate magnate or captain of industry or anything like that. I mean, we as, as women, certainly more often than not, we get trained away from our intuition, from our sense of wonder, from our sense of exploring, all of which grants us access to being in all these different places, right? And to having a sense of belonging wherever we are, because we're with we're with that vibrant life force. We, we are really connected and tuned into it. But being trained away over time just kind of whittles our circles down and our life experience down to this dull, this dull little patch of, of, of dirt that we don't allow ourselves to 
explore beyond. And so another part of what I think really brings me to this work and sense of inner and outer exploration is the fact that I want this for myself. You know, you mentioned being, um, being a role model for people by way of showing my story and sharing my story on social media. And, you know, that while I am aware of that, I also am much more aware of the fact that when I show up and give myself permission to share my story, it liberates me that much more to own that story for myself and to own the path for myself. You know, I'm out there running a lot and hiking a lot. And then there are other people. And, and, and so again, with, with the, like internalized stories and the systems that are in place to like kind of keep that we keep bumping up against sometimes, you know, even with as much as I do outside, sometimes I feel like, oh, well, wait, am I doing enough? Should I be, should I be running faster in, in all the places that I'm running? Should I be hiking with this gear? Should I be doing it the way that they're doing it? Or what will they, you know? So, so that dance between coming out of our shells, letting ourselves be seen in the full light of day opens us up to a certain kind of scrutiny, you know, from, from other people and also ourselves from, you know, those, the, the peanut gallery kind of clicks in, <laughs> in my, in my own experience, that peanut gallery clicks in when I'm moving out of my comfort zone. And I want to share this one thing with you. I was, I was hiking one day by myself and I don't know if I told you the story before, but I was hiking by myself and I remember the trail that I was on when I heard this voice saying, oh, you've gone too far now. Like you're, you're, if, if you keep going, we can't help you. Like, are you sure you don't have a problem here? Like you're doing this so much like an, a substance abuser or an alcoholic. Okay. There's an intervention. We got to help you because you're going to be lost to us if you go any farther. And it w- it really struck me because I realized in that moment, there was a limit that I'd placed on myself, or maybe that had been placed on me for my own safety that I wasn't even aware of, you know? And, and a lot of times when we're on the path of changing our lives or pursuing our our desires or whatever, or, or changing for the better, minding our business, <laughs> we can get pushback from surprising places. And that's what surprised me because it came from within myself, in my own, in my own head. So as we try to expand ourselves and extend our life experience, there's this ingrained survival sense that says, if you leave the tribe, you'll be cast out. You'll be left alone. You're going to be abandoned because we can't, we can't help you. And that's definitely what I was walking through in that moment. 
you know, and I was, I was kind of torn for a second there. I'm like, but I love being in nature. I love being on the trails. What does this mean? And it took me a long time just really unpacking that, talking with friends and, and other outdoor enthusiasts who said, oh, wow, really? That's, I don't, that's crazy. Of course you keep going out and doing it. Of course you keep, but these were people who, who had grown up with that experience. These were people who, you know, they, they didn't think twice about, you know, going out and exploring the, you know, the, the lesser beaten paths and all that kind of stuff, the paths less, less traveled. Right. And so for me, and, and a lot of people that I work with and speak to and, and go into nature with, there has been a limiting belief that says this is not for us or, oh, we can't, you know, just like you said, can you do that? And so it's not until we do that that we realize, oh, yes, I can. And there's more. And I'm not alone. I won't be left to the wolves if I step out of my comfort zone and step in to a new adventure that's calling to me. So it's just so many revelations uh, in that in that pursuit and in that commitment to to growing oneself and stepping out in an previously uncharted direction, you know. And that commitment to doing what you love and continuing to stretch yourself is so beautiful to witness. And, you know, I want, I want to pick up two threads. One is you're so right that, 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 that place of putting ourselves out on social media as a way, as a commitment to ourselves, because sometimes people are like, I just want to be noticed. But sometimes it's like, this is my story. I want to share my story and my experience. But what it does is it also can put us looking at ourselves from everyone else. Because now we're like, Mm -hmm. okay, now it's public. And now how am I being perceived? Right. And that that constant, like, it doesn't matter how I'm being perceived. What is my experience over and over again? And the other piece you shared was around the also intuiting the difference between a limitation where you're, where you're being like, I don't know what, what's beyond this. It's mystery. Mm-hmm. It's unknown. It feels scary. I want you to turn back those, those internal systems inside of us that came from wherever they came from mm-hmm. versus the intuition of like, sweetie, this like turn around. And mm-hmm. I've been really navigating that in my my world because I'm staying up on my property a lot and it's really remote and I'm off grid and you know I'll have people like well there are bears up there and I'm like yeah well you should take a bear bell with you do you have bear spray like all this stuff Mm -hmm. and and then I start getting like oh my gosh maybe I should have bear spray so I remember one day I went out hiking and I I brought a bell along I'm like all right I'll bring the bell like somebody told me to bring a bell okay I can bring a bell and I got like I don't know 20 meters out and I'm like I can't hear anything like I cannot feel what's happening how am I going to know what's like this bell is just eradicating my Mm -hmm. intuition (laughs) off it went 
And I, it, I realized in that moment how when I'm in nature, I'm so expanded out into the field, into the eco field, yeah. that I'm feeling everything around me. Mm-hmm. And there's this just incredible connection. And I feel completely safe mm-hmm. in that moment. There is a a concept that I have really been taken with in the last 36 hours or so. <laughs> and that is, you know how you like, you, you hear about something and then you rehear it in a different way, the same thing. And it's like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. And so for people who are in the, you know, the spiritual new age self-help community, whatever you want to call it, um, it can seem a little out there or, or overly familiar when people say, oh, we're one, you know, we all, you know, that kind of thing. And it sounds like something that somebody's saying from, you know, just from a, the sofa or the, the, the mat or where some, some place of super comfort and privilege or, Oh, don't worry. No, you know, but really when you think about it, this whole concept that I've been taken with this biosphere concept says that everything is contained within this structure. So you think maybe a slow, a snow globe, right? That's a, that's a very handy analogy. The snow globe is literally that, that world, that space all enclosed in that globe. You have the weather, you have the snow, the water, the houses, the people, everything is happening in there. Nothing's going in from outside that the that boundary nothing is coming out from that boundary right and so when you extend that metaphor to the world that we live in to this universe that we inhabit if you think that nothing is lost even as the even as we have the rainfall and you know, it goes back up into the ecosystem and rains back down on us. You know, this is the same water that we have had for ever, pretty much, right? And if we are born and we die and we go back to the earth and our bodies are comprised, 99% of the elements are naturally occurring, are they, they are the elements that are found in the earth, right? Hydrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and whatever, all that, right? So we're mostly water, all this air, earth elements. We really are nature, and we can be connected to all that is when we give ourselves permission to really just steep in that understanding that we really are walking with the ancestors. We actually are much closer than people, than, than, than we might assume we are with others, with people who don't look like us, with people who are, you know, live supposedly around the world. We are breathing the same air. I mean, look at COVID-19, you know, if we need an example of how interdependent our lives are, 
and how it's doesn't it doesn't respect that virus doesn't respect the boundaries that we set up. You know, we are all breathing this air and it has circulated around the globe how many times. And so if we can really have a sense of deeper awareness around that, around how fragile we are, how interconnected and interdependent our lives are on each other, I think that also expands the sense of adventure and possibility because that says to us really anything can happen, you know, and not just the horrific stuff that unfortunately has been unfolding, but also the, the beautiful miracles, you know, that, that are also available to us in that place of approaching nature as, I want to say, as ourselves or as an extension of ourselves, because it really is, or maybe a return to ourselves in a sense. It's, it's, it's profound. It's, it's really blowing my mind right now. <laughs> my yeah. friend, Will Tegel, will, will say, it's like, we're always in nature. You don't go out into right. nature. You are, right. you are nature. You're in nature. And there's no escaping that, mm-hmm. no matter how much concrete and how many buildings. And that reminds me of, of that that truth that we are, whether we live in the middle of the city or in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. we're still connected to the earth. My, my uh, friend Day does these incredible altars and he did a workshop with us in New York City. And he said, okay, everybody go out and get flowers and grasses and seeds. And we're in this you know, we're in Brooklyn and I'm like, how are 20 of us going to go out and find stuff? It was everywhere mm-hmm. as you started looking. And it's like, oh, look at that little, you know, and we didn't go decimate things. We very carefully, all of us very carefully took a little bit of things that we found. But once mm-hmm. you start looking, it's there. And, yeah, and there's always teachers and guides in the elements and in nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And reconnecting us to that wisdom that lives within us. You know, so when we're really looking with the expectation to see, we get that information that's like those teachers, they you know, something in us, I feel, is is harmonizing with that thing that we're looking at or looking for and these moments open and, and continue to blossom, you know, because you having that experience or your group having that experience of finding these things that you didn't expect, it helps you not only see in a different way, it also reminds you that you can be surprised in your environment and gives you a greater appreciation for the ways that we've been overlooking, you know, the ways that we are connected, the ways that we actually lean on our environment without without being aware of how deeply we're leaning on it, 
you know, those flowers and seeds and plants that you saw are actually, you know, they're supporting your life, right? They're supporting our lives by giving nurture, by giving, by nurturing the bees and the birds that come and the pollen that then happens and, you know, all of it, these amazing cycles. And I feel like I need that so much these days when, you know, I'm still, many of us are still in a sort of partial quarantine, safer at home thing, you know, living a bit more remote as we wait for the next stages to kind of shake out. And so I feel like I've, I've had to really look a lot more closely at what's happening, you know, or a lot more closely at my life where I otherwise might be inclined to, oh, I'm going to go over there. Look at that shiny thing. I'm going to go see what they're doing, or I'm going to go, or I'm, or I'm just going to kind of blow past that feeling and take myself to dinner, or I'm going to go buy a nice little thing. And this experience over the past year and change has said, okay, what, what is here? What is it that I'm wanting to leave for? Or what am I trying to step away from? You know, I mean, there's only so much, you know, playing around on the phone or shopping online or watching online stuff before you really come to that place of, all right, there's something else here that I need to address. Something is not feeling right. I need to do something. And part of what I wanted to what I'm really excited to talk with you about is in that desire to do something differently, to explore our deeper nature, or even to, to dream again, you and I talk about dreams a lot. There is this space of being where we are and acknowledging like where we want to get to. And so the space in between can be really scary, particularly like, you know, in these days when there really isn't anywhere, there hasn't been anywhere to run, you know, from ourselves, in, at least in my experience, I'll say. And so being taken back and back again to where I am and understanding that, okay, I got to take some steps. I got to do some things differently if I want to have this different experience. In that space, I sometimes call it the trembling, you know, the fear and trembling because it's so new and so precious and uncertain. It's very easy to fall away or dismiss the gains that you've made, however tentative, right? But something is happening in that space. And I'm curious to know what what you think about that space and how we can support ourselves in that space. Because I, I heard one, one friend shared with me, she said, that trembling is, that's the change. That's the, that's the growth. That's the motion. You know, where I thought of it as like, ah, fear, uncertainty, ah, doubt. Well, yeah, that, that actually, <laughs> it is wrapped up in there, but what is your take on that? Because, that's 
that's a place that we can't avoid when we're really about changing our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I so agree with you. And that place from in my experience, when I hit that place of trembling, because I've been I've been really feeling into this in myself, there is such a huge unknown on the other side of it. And that's where the trembling is coming from is I can't control what's next. I don't know what's next. And, and the same thing that voice was saying to you, and if you go any further, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you, you get to the, the end of the tether and the trembling is what allows you to break that tether if, and go forward. And everything's going to be saying, go back. It's safer to go back. And the trembling will stop if you go back. Like the fear will stop. The uncertainty mm-hmm. will stop. But like you said, if we're committed to growth, if we're committed to change, you know in your body, all right, sweetheart, take another step. Take another step. Take another step. And it's not a force, but it's a like, grab your own hand, take a breath, keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love what you've added to that, that it can break that it can break that tether, that, that limitation without severing our connection to all that we know or our intuition and our guidance. That's huge. And this is, this is part of the interdependence too, like reaching out to other people that, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you feel about this? Because being left alone, left to my own devices, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to reach my goal, I find that sometimes there is a huge invitation to set up some kind of elaborate story that'll keep me from doing it. Or, and I'll find myself starting to set up the excuses, act, acting like I'm, I'm trying. I actually, no, look, I, I'm going to write this book. Here's a piece of paper and a pencil on the table. I'm trying. I'm going to do it. (laughs) But I can't find the pencil now. So I tried. (laughs) I used to laugh at myself because I would start writing. And suddenly I'm like, I think I should have a baby. I think I should get a university degree. I really, it was crazy where my head would go. Mm -hmm. And learning of like, all right, no, sweetheart pick the pen up, pick the pencil up, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in the middle of that right now because I'm working on a, on a book that's way, way outside of my comfort zone. And every time I sit down to write, I have to go through the, nobody's going to read this. This is a terrible book. The writing's terrible. Mm-hmm. The story isn't interesting. You don't get it. So, and it is, it's, it's almost like every time I sit down to write, there's that, just sweetheart it doesn't matter just write Mm -hmm. well talk about the sweetheart because as a teacher and leader and guide you have you help people navigate these spaces and you have your and and even you have your own experience of this what was that relationship like to your sweetheart 
you know, or to this voice of not quite there yet or whatever. How did you come to embrace that voice or that energy or entity as sweetheart and allow that to be really present for you on the journey, even as you move forward, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And honestly, it took years, Mm -hmm. years and years of learning first to witness what I was doing to myself and to be horrified by how pushy, cruel, controlling, judgmental, criticizing, comparative that I was in my head. And so just learning how to witness that and then not judge myself for the judgment or the victimization or the comparison, but just be like, yep, I'm comparing myself again and watching the places that I did stop myself over and over again and learning to just go, yep, I'm sabotaging, period. That's my favorite, one of my favorite teachers, just period. Mm -hmm. And it was really the willingness to stay with, to no longer abandon myself. And the first level of the no longer abandoning myself was just watch what you're doing now without abandoning yourself any further. Just watch what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that then allowed me to have the capacity to start gently shifting. And I, I really started with how would you treat a friend? If your best friend just did this, how would you respond to them? And it was always so different than how I would treat treat myself. And mm-hmm. so witnessing that gap and learning to slowly, slowly close it has been has been the journey. And how about for you? Has the I know that you've you've finished meditation teacher training and that that you're in you're weaving that into everything that you're doing as well. Mm-hmm. So has that helped you to also settle? Yes, absolutely. And and this is part of why I'm so curious about other people's journey in that very tender space, you know. Um, and I started the teacher training just because I thought, oh, it'll help me, it'll help me really embed the training and really understand these principles and practices. And so that's part of what got me into coaching and speaking was just going deeper into the experience of being with this new information and then realizing how wonderful it's been in my own life. Oh, let me share that with other people. Meanwhile, that's also the lure that kind of gets you in and humbles you. your butt right and and it's like oh okay I didn't see that coming because I was so full of how how much you know farther ahead I'm going to be on the path when I after I do this (laughs) so so a lot of what I am doing in this training or in well as as a meditation teacher is helping people to really sit in those spaces and to be in what I, what I call the hot seat, where we want to get up and leave. We want to abandon ourselves. We want to rely on that zinger to put that person in their place or that, you know, 
cold shoulder or whatever our defense mechanisms are. And so really turning toward those and looking at those and seeing what role they play in the sabotage games, you know, that keep us from doing the things that we want to do in present time. I, I mean, Heather Ash, it is, it is astounding how deeply embedded the limitations are and how far they go back. These stories of, I can't do this, or you're not enough for that, or what, you know, and they, they come from all over the place. And sometimes it can be enough to keep you from throwing the covers off in the morning, you know, and from looking people in the eye or from smiling into the eyes of a stranger. And so for me, when I think about how frequently I would succumb to those old stories and how actively I would work against my own interests. When I was able to like work with that and sit with that and acknowledge them, as you said, you know, it opened up more information for me. Oh, well, I did that because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be liked. I was just trying to get ahead. And, and, but you see how it just twists and turns into this thing that isn't actually helping you and no longer serves. And so as I've been able to unwind that through my own practice and through teaching, which is also practice, I am finding that it's been useful to other people too, because it's created a safe space or a container for here again, a sort of biosphere, you know, a, a sort of safe container where we can really be with what is, you know, those old unresolved thoughts, the, the one who got away or the, the job I didn't take or the, the raise I didn't ask for, or I didn't do, you know, all the things that we didn't do and the regret or shame that we may have felt as a result or shame that's been like heaped on us. I mean, whatever, all the gunk, being able to just notice it without trying to heal it or fix it has been tremendous in helping, helping us, you know, in the, in the classes that I teach, not only has it helped me affirm my own practice, but it's also offered tools for other people to be able to sit in their own hot seat, to be able to dismantle some old stories and, and, and literally step out into a new experience and to be okay with that, with that trembling, you know, of going from this place to the next. And so for me, teaching, being able to share these resources with people has been a huge gift and an incredible journey in itself, because I, I feel like what, no matter what level we're at or whatever experience we're having, you know, first there was, can I do it? Can I, you know, should I go into this training and okay, I'm in this training. Can I teach? Well, okay. Yes, I can teach. All right. Now I'm, now I'm a teacher. 
can I offer this or that class or this or that talk? Can I, <laughs> you know, so there's always that level, just as you shared writing your book, you know, you sit down to face that. And so one of the things that I'm really working on or working with and noticing right now is tenderness and practicing compassion right for myself for my experiences you know for for everything that comes up because i have been conditioned it's been ingrained in me that tenderness or sensitivity is weakness it's not valuable at all you bet life is going to be mean to you so you got to buck up you got to suck it up you, you know i don't want to be hurt so i'm not going to put my feelings out there but I am finding, I mean, again and again, the more that I'm able to bring myself to these spaces of softness or recognizing the, you know, the old default of throwing a wall up or holding myself back, the more I'm able to recognize that, the more I may to recognize that as the old defense, the more I'm able to bring more softness and more tenderness to myself. And the more it, 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 it kind of melts away or yields a bit, you know, and, and allows me a safer passage through. Does that make sense? Yes. And I love that word yielding. It's, we are trained so backwards. So like, as you're, talking that's what I'm feeling is we're so trained to fix especially mm -hmm. as women yes and to understand especially as men but for all of us right we all have these places of caretaking of fixing of understanding if I just can can figure it out then it'll all be okay and that's what I love about meditation and different contemplative practices is that getting in our bodies, you don't have to fix anything. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to fix. Mm -hmm. And how do you hold that space of compassion and sweetness in that there's nothing to fix? And how do I support this human? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and, and that journey in and of itself is a puzzle box, right? Because if we haven't been safe in our bodies or our bodies have been shamed and, you know, we're, we're always trying to get away from our bodies or we're punishing our bodies for whatever, you know, it, it's, an, it's its own journey trying to get back into a place of, honoring one's body and acknowledging it, you know, I, I find that sometimes I would just, so being so busy or rushing from one place to the next, this is just a, a, a meat suit that I'm dragging around from place to place that's working for me. But, <laughs> you know, but as I'm able to really understand, wait a minute, this is actually the temple. And if I don't have this, I'm not doing anything. 
<laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to do much of anything if I don't really take the time to to bring some awareness to how 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 am I feeling? What is happening in here? And why or am I feeling? There's been so much numbness over the past or, or you know, bringing from people that I've spoken with, we've been so much more aware of numbness every time something happens in the world. I, oh my gosh, I don't even feel anything. You know, I can't just go hang out with a friend or go to a restaurant or to a bar or to a theater or to see music. I can't go out to just take that edge off or to escape or whatever in the same way that I have before. And so being with ourselves and realizing we can't feel that's scary. And, and, and so it becomes a process of finding a way, just a, a little bit of an opening to get back into sensing something you know, and, and to, to staying with that and to sensing a little bit more and to soothe, to soothe ourselves in ways that aren't counterproductive, you know, not soothing with things that take us in a negative direction, but soothing by, you know, reaffirming ourselves and reminding ourselves that we're comfortable and safe. And, you know, Oh, in, in time, that opens up more space to feel. But what a journey, right? Just back to the body. People would say to me when I first started getting curious about meditation and spiritual practice and that sort of stuff, oh, you got to get in your body. You haven't been in your body. And I don't, and, and what, what are you talking about? I'm Here's my body. My mouth is talking to you. I'm looking at you. I am in, this is, here we are, <laughs> you know, but to really investigate what that means and to know that we are responsible for our bodies, we can befriend our bodies and that our bodies are beautiful miracles. I, I mean, there's just so, there's so much in there, right? So much, so much. Cause it's true. And it's part of what I love around the times that we're in now is we are understanding trauma and what it means to be, to heal trauma at very deep levels. And I think that's more accessible to everybody. And that there's also this coming together of so many different somatic practices, because I think in the 70s, especially in probably early 80s, meditation was to get out. And it's shifting. Meditation's now to go in mm -hmm. and to right. really begin that process of like, how do I settle in and find, oh, there's a layer of numbness. Oh, there's a layer of armoring. Oh, there's mm -hmm. an old story. And that unearthing of ourselves so that we become more and more alive, more and more present, more and more embodied, and that we can feel more. You know, so often, too, in spiritual communities, it's like 
can we feel less? Like I want to go, I want to become a spiritual person. So I just feel love and I can feel less. Can we do that? It's like, no, sweetheart, we got to go through. Right. <laughs> You're going to feel more. Right. That's part of the healing. Mm-hmm. Learning to go through and feel what's yours rather than feeling everybody else's. Dragging the past along and beating yourself up with that or feeling that over and over again. But to, to really, to learn how to be in relationship with the emotional body and the physical body in such a way that we're present and that we can clear everything else out. But it's a, it's a journey. It is. It's not one that I would trade for anything. And it's not something that you can, you can sell to people, you know, I mean, you can't, (laughs) there's no pill for it, but it is the most revealing and healing undertaking of, of my life, you know, at, at this point, this, you know, in addition to everything I, you know, everything that I find myself getting involved in, it's actually an, a facet it's a facet of everything that I do because I think everything is sort of a, a different filter for a way to get into understanding more about, Oh, what is, what is my story? What do I believe? How do I feel about that? Who, who, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And I can look at my life look around my life and see what's happening. And that shows me the results of my presence. You know, it, it is reflecting back to me what my awareness is like in any moment, you know, where am I feeling tight or stingy about life? Where am I withholding? Well, and then, what's, what's my practice like? What's my awareness like? Because, you know, they, they, the outward experience is part of that inner work, you know? And so it continues to speak to us the more we let it. So I, I am in full agreement that this is an exciting time. Like, well, Exciting in in many ways, <laughs> not <laughs> surprising. I'll say, yeah, all across the board. Yes, all across the board. Oh my gosh! And I see how I can ask this question. So, you, as a woman, as a human, as a being who is, like you said, like fascinated around the biosphere, and that we are all one, and that there's this intersection in. Everything, everything is intersected. Everything is alive and part of us and we are part of everything else. So that, and also your experience as a black woman. And how do you navigate and hold both? So I wanna be clear. I'm glad you asked that question. So I definitely am not saying we're all we're all the same. We're not the same. (laughs) We don't, (laughs) I 
mean? We're just not the same, but we are all breathing the same air. We are living interconnectedly on the earth. My water goes bad over here. It's going to mess with your water. You know, there's everything. Everything impacts. We are impacted by the same things. It might take longer to get to us. We might not know that we're being directly impacted by somebody else's suffering, but rest assured, it all ripples out. We are all connected and impacted by what's happening in the world around us, right? And so the world within us is one that we really would do ourselves well to attend to because to the extent that we can take care of our inner world, it impacts the outer world in a positive way. So I do my work, I'm helping you. You do your work, you're helping me. You're helping to elevate everyone. And this sounds like, it sounds like woo woo, right? I mean, to me, like I'm kind of skeptical sometimes when I hear when I hear this as lip service, oh, we're all one, just breathe together. And I, you know, I'm like, get out of here. I'm in pain. At the same time, when I'm doing my work to really heal and to let go of past pain and to, to work with it, to let, to release it as much as I'm able then I am not inclined to do harm to anyone else, right? So you know that saying, hurt people hurt people. So when we carry on the pain without examining it, when we carry on in the stories of pain or in cycles of pain, and violence. And I'm not just speaking about Black women. I'm speaking about everybody. Everybody has some story of pain and violence. And there are some folks who are just looking to unleash on the world that has done harm, that they feel has done harm to them. And so for people experiencing pain and who are disproportionately impacted, you know, and, and for example, studies are showing us and life is showing us that black women, black and brown women are disproportionately negatively impacted by COVID-19 because there have been systemic things that have already collectively put us lower on the social strata. Right. And so to the extent that we're able to, to really work with our own inner resources to heal and to the extent, and so everybody we re and realizing coming to realize that we can impact the lives of others and that we do then we are more inclined to take care of each other in ways that are real and substantial right and so that puts the greed in check that means there are conscious people 
in in places of power that are saying, hey, we need to distribute the virus to this community right away. <laughs> you know, make haste getting it there. Make haste getting getting clean water and getting medical services to these people who are disproportionately impacted. And so I'm not, and, and I don't even want to make it sound like, you know, people of color are impoverished or, you know, this is a, some charity case, but, you know, think about just our fellow, our fellow human beings, if we're doing our if we're doing our work, we don't want to do harm to other people. We don't want to see other people suffering. And so we're more inclined not to do harm, which is a help because there are too many people out here doing harm. But we also might be more inclined to look for ways to help from where we are. What can we do in our communities? What can we do? in our families? What can we do in our relationships? What can we do in our self-talk to create the kind of healing and change that we want to see in the world, right? So sometimes we'll see food banks need stuff. And I heard um, Larea Gaston, who wrote a book called Love Without Limits. Love for no reason love for no reason. So she is a food activist and has set up all these different, um, set up a nonprofit called Lunch on Me that provides healthy, organic meals for homeless people. Because what she realized was that America has a huge food problem. A lot of good, healthy food 40% at least was going to go to the garbage if it wasn't reclaimed, you know? So she set mechanisms in place to get this organic good food to take to homeless people, you know, just one woman seeing a need, having the speaking of intersections, her passion for serving others intersected with, you know, the passion for providing good meals and collecting this food that was going to be cast off. And so in the years that she's had this nonprofit and been doing this work, she's fed thousands, tens of thousands of people. And so it's examples like that, that demonstrate how we can help from where we are and how interconnected our experiences are. We don't need to uh, buy into the story any longer that we can't make a difference. And so that's what I mean by being with ourselves, understanding what we're able to do, what what we have the passion and capacity for, finding a need and filling it. Whether that's, you know, just with one person, it ripples out and helps. And so that's the way that I mean that we're interconnected. That's a way to to help ourselves heal because we are giving from a place of authenticity and our passion 
in service to lifting other people up. And so, you know, across the board. Yeah. Beautifully said, really beautifully said. And I love that of to be able to hold, we're all drinking the same water. We're all drinking, you know, breathing the same air and we've had different experiences. Mm -hmm. And to understand that, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking was um, Ibram Kendi's book. He talks about racism being like similar to a cancer. He had a couple mm -hmm. metaphors and the end he's like cancer. And, you know, in a way what we're navigating as humans, I believe right now, especially in the United States is that there's this, this force that's eating away at the body of all of us impacting more people know some people much more than others but it's impacting everybody absolutely and that place of you know as we mentioned earlier like we're all one it's all great is really different than this affects all of us we are all one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's true because it go it doesn't do anybody any good to say oh we're we're on one now Physically, as I mentioned before, we're made up of very much the same things. But here again, beginner's mind and wonder. There is something, sometimes something in that 1% or whatever minuscule percent it is that makes us who we are, that makes us different, our life experience, our generational story, our, our attitudes, preferences, inclinations, you know. But there, there's, there's both. There are some people who are so driven by this idea of oneness that the whole, their, their worldview breaks down if they see any separation, if they see any separation. And that's a problem. It's important, in my opinion, to have this awareness that we all we all are part of this same system and we all have different parts to play in that system. That's huge. And, and it's a, a, a huge array of opportunities in that awareness. And that, that excites me because I better not ever hear anybody tell me they're bored. <laughs> There's so much to do. To do. Yes. Yeah. No end to that. There is oh. no end. Yeah. And we live in very interesting times and very dynamic times. And it's true that if we are engaged and we're in that place of wonder, coming back to that beautiful word that you used at the beginning of how do we bring wonder in to our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and keep opening through the connection and the beauty and the complexity and the yeah. diversity and the different experiences. And you now that's my prayer for all of us is that as we we feel into that oneness that we're also able to shift our perspective and to like, what's the experience of the raccoon? What's the experience of the tree? What's the experience of, 
you as a Black woman living in a predominantly white town? What's the experience of, you know, that, we, that we're able to shift our perspectives instead of being so, this is me, I'm independent. What your experience has nothing to do with my experience. To realize that in that place of opening and having compassion, that we start to get out of our own individual experience mm-hmm. and be able to see, oh, somebody's hungry or somebody's really hurting. How do I be in relationship with that without numbing out or putting my story on top of it or wanting them to be different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and we can yeah. keep talking forever. Like we're now we, like, ooh. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. We'll let this particular run close, knowing that there's more. There's so much more always. And I always love conversations with you and where we go and the the beauty of that intersection of spirit and nature and and activism Mm. well thank you for meeting me there because this has been as always a wonderful conversation a wonderful time with you and lots to to really think about and marinate on. And I love it. I love the validation that not knowing is, is juicy. Not knowing is part of the adventure and a welcomed part of it. So thank you for always affirming that. I It takes a while to get to it, but getting there, it's good. It's good. Imagine if all of us were like, I don't know. I wonder. Right. See, instead of like, I must be right. I know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Do it this way. Yeah. In the mystery. Yeah. Do it this way. Yeah. Your experience should be this. My experience should be. (laughs) I don't know. Let's open. Let's explore. Yeah, I'm, I'm with be you on there. that edge, edge yes. of mystery. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to share your uh, website and information in the show notes. And uh, see, there's things we didn't even get to. Um, but also, always. Chris, yeah, always christypeoples.com. And also, um, you are one of the founders or beings of Black and Brown Women's Alliance of Denver. So I'll also share that as well. And we'll have to talk more about that. Um, and just thank you for all the magic and goodness that you bring to so many humans on so many levels. Thank you for the same. It was great being with you, Heather Ash. Yes. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> Yay! If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with a fellow warrior goddess. If you felt fully empowered and inspired by what you heard today, we want to know about it. You can share your feedback by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We thank you for your support. It's the fastest way to fuel the revolution. To learn more about the Warrior Goddess Revolution and other Warrior Goddess offerings, visit us at www.warriorgoddess.com.